Hey guys, Mark here. Just wanted to let you know that about 10 minutes after we finished recording this episode, the Blue Jays agreed to a deal with free agent outfielder Kevin Kiermaier. And while we didn't talk about that on this episode, all of what we said about the Blue Jays and the winter meetings still stand. And for our opinions on the Kevin Kiermaier deal, I'll reference what we've been saying all offseason with the Blue Jays. Okay, that's fine. What's next? Enjoy the episode. As the sun goes down, the darkness as the sun goes down, not in day out, just the same for now. As the sun goes down. Hello and welcome to episode 243 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always joined by Bryson and Jacob, and unlike our regular episodes, today's episode is about the fact that nothing has happened for the Toronto Blue Jays. We went into the winter meetings with high hopes. We emerged from the winter meetings with the Blue Jays being in the exact same place they were a week ago, with the exception of the fact that A, the Rule 5 draft happened, and B, a lot of the targets that the Blue Jays were going to sign, or at least we hoped they would sign, are now off the table Bryson, Jacob, how are you? Well, uh, I think you, you've obviously summed it up perfectly, and uh, we are past the winter meetings now, and I think a little bit of a surprise to all of us, maybe, I guess we're going to find out today, that there still hasn't been many moves made, and the only thing that I've really noticed is just the, I guess, the cesspool of comments on Twitter about how, or I guess how fans have shown their displeasure because of the fact that there still haven't been any moves. So I guess we got lots to unravel about that. And other than that, though, I guess it's been status quo for this team. So we'll see what happens here um, before the month of uh, December ends. Yeah, I mean, I'm still genuinely shocked that they didn't they didn't make any moves. Like, I'm surprised they didn't even make a minor league move or anything. But this winter meetings, I'm sure we'll get a press conference where Ross Atkins says that we made a lot of great conversations, a lot of progress. And then nothing like at this point I've defended them. I think you guys know, and I think everybody knows that I've defended Shapiro and Atkins, but you're out, you you have two outfielders. You do not have a full starting rotation and you made no moves during the winter meetings. We'll see. We'll see where this off season ends. Like they, they, they need to do something or else this off season is a failure. Okay. So it sounds like your mind is made up about what the last week means and whether the winter meetings were a failure for the Blue Jays. I guess we can start there. Jacob, you've already answered the question. Bryson, are the winter meetings a failure for the Blue Jays? Are you upset with how things have gone over the last week? I definitely am a, think a little bit different than Jacob here. Not like completely over the edge of saying it's a failure. Maybe a little disappointed, sure, that they missed out on some guys. But, you know, I, I still think that they obviously have time to make some moves. I still think they're active. And of course, Jacob, you're talking about with Ross Atkins' press conferences. Of course, he is the king of saying nothing uh, in terms of, you know, just going on a, I guess, a two minute rant about saying how they're excited, you know, run prevention, progress, all of that. So I still think there's time. Um, You know, it's definitely, I think the one thing we've learned throughout the winter meetings, especially, is that it's difficult to compete 
with a team like the New York Mets, who have pretty much, I think I saw, have spent over $400 million or something like that um, in the course of this month or since the offseason started. They have surpassed the Steve Cohen tax that they made basically in the CBA to, I guess, fight Steve Cohen buying players, and it doesn't seem to be any issue to them. So that's kind of where, I guess, the Jays have missed out on because we know the Brandon Nimmo sweepstakes. We know the contract he got. A lot of money. I think a little bit more than we all three of us even predicted or were talking about. So that's one thing um, saying, you know, I guess questioning how much the Jays were willing to go with a guy like Brandon Nemo. And then of course, another guy that we knew the Jays were finalists for without or over the course of the winter meetings or two guys, I should say were Cody Bellinger and uh, Andrew Heaney. So both guys, they miss out on as well with those. So, you know, maybe it's, it goes to an extent where the Jays were kind of you know, willing to go to a certain point and weren't overly desperate to make any moves or maybe to overpay for people. Perhaps they have their eyes, um, I guess, set on other things. We know there's still lots of rumors about whole, the whole Brian Reynolds topic. And of course, I'm sure there's rumors about other things too, the catching situation. So, you know, I, a part of me looks at it maybe that this team wasn't all that, you know, I, I don't want to use the word desperate, but over anxious to make any of these moves. That's the only thing I can think of because we know that they were engaged in all this and, I still would have liked to probably come out of the winter meetings with something because a lot of teams were active here. So it's not like, you know, it just it felt like a lot of teams here that are on the competitive edge who are trying to win a World Series got their team better throughout the winter meetings and even before that. So that's why a little part of me wonders a little bit what exactly their their plan is. But the only part of me that can understand why they missed out on all these guys is because they weren't overly desperate to bring these guys in for overpaying for like a guy like Cody Bellinger. We know Andrew Heaney got a lot of money. And then I mentioned Brandon Nimmo basically pretty much matching the George Springer contract. So that's the only part of me that I guess can understand why this happened. And I still think there's time for them to make a move. So I'm not going to completely overreact yet. And I guess call it a, a failure yet. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I think like as a fan sitting here, talking about the Blue Jays, would we like to be talking about a deal being made? Of course. You know, having to sit here on the outside looking in and seeing all these other teams make huge moves and spend huge amounts of money and the Blue Jays are sitting here doing nothing. Is it fun? Absolutely not. But when it comes to, you know, the baseball side of things, am I upset with the Blue Jays for not making a move? Am I concerned about how the team is going to shake up come February 14th or whenever pitchers and catchers report? Like, to be honest, not really. I think they still have a lot of room to make moves. Are some of the doors closing? Absolutely. You know, Brennan Nimmo would have been as perfect a fit for this team as anyone in the the free agent market this offseason. Would the St. Louis Cardinals be a perfect trade fit for a catcher before they signed Wilson Contreras? Absolutely. So some of the doors are closing, and I think... The Blue Jays still need to be aggressive to make sure all the doors don't close before they can do what they need to do, but I still think that they are not in a terrible position. I still think we're kind of in the mode where we're forced to say, okay, what's next, right? You can't make a picture or or a judgment of what the Blue Jays offseason has been so far. We got to wait a couple more weeks, a couple more months to see what happens. And if we're sitting here on February 15th, then we're still in a position where they don't have a third outfielder, where they don't have you know, more than, what, two, three starters in the starting rotation, like then we're talking about panic and we're talking about concern. But when you're sitting here on December 10th and you still have three major league qualified all-star catchers and you still have, you know, whatever the exact number is, but 30 plus million dollars to work with this offseason, 
I I struggle to really make a judgment at this point as to whether the winter meetings have been a failure or not because it's going to depend on what the Blue Jays do. Yeah, I don't think the entire offseason has been a failure. Hopefully, I didn't sound a little too uh, panic buttony, but it it just. It, I think that like the the just general gist of the winter meetings and the fact that they're expected to do things and now guys are off the tables or off the table and, and you know other teams are making moves that now that Blue Jays don't have trade uh, trade partners with at that point I'm like oh like th- this team they need to make a move before time runs out so I'm not saying that the off season in general is a failure but the winter meetings were very disappointing I think it, that, that's I think what I was trying to say is that it, so far it's been very disappointing to see that yeah, you're not making moves, but at the same time, other people are are making moves, and now you don't really have anybody else that is available or, or other teams that are willing to trade. All I was going to say was that I think, you know, before we talk about failure, I think the biggest loser from the winter meetings was John Heyman. Okay, I just want to <laughs> put it out there for the, I guess, the yes. brief arson judge and then the brief five minutes that uh, I guess he overreacted and kind of, I guess, made us all believe that Aaron Judge was going to go to the Giants. That obviously would have been a heck of a story coming out of the winter meetings for Blue Jays fans. But um, yeah, I just, once again, I just think we need to, you know, as much as we were all like all Blue Jays fans want content. All of us want to talk about moves. Mark, you put it perfectly there. And, you know, the fact of the matter is they have a few things that of course they have to address still. We know they need, they need a starting pitcher or two, at least one for sure. And of course, again, the whole outfield situation, the catching situation. So that's why I just, I get the sense that they weren't willing to, you know, again, overpay or kind of, you know, over, you know, just overreact and try and get somebody just to get somebody. So that's why a part of me, again, just thinks that they have other things in mind or, you know, they have obviously contingency plans or they have certain stuff that they can do still. And then that's kind of just the sense I'm getting at. But of course, if we get to the pitchers and catchers report here and they still haven't addressed their needs, although I think it's almost certainly they will, even after Ross Atkins pretty much reassured that they will, then we're talking about, you know, disappointing and just, I guess, the panic button entering a season here for a team who's supposed to win the World Series or at least contend for the World Series and for sure be a playoff team. So that's where things still stand. We still haven't, or the still the Jays still have the same needs as they had to make before the winter meetings. And they still, I'm sure, will have some stuff lined up. And hopefully, again, before the end of the month, there is something. I think if that happens before the end of the month, I think perhaps... Fans can maybe calm down a bit, but it's definitely too hard to not notice the blowback that they have been getting. And just, I guess, the excitement that the fans have for this team and just the questions they have of why haven't they gotten better? How, like, what's the point of trading a Teoscar Hernandez if you still haven't filled, I guess, that void yet? And a lot of people also wondering, you know, you make the Teoscar Hernandez trade and you can kind of assume that right after that stuff are lined up and then, you know, the need or the void is going to be filled right away. And I think that's kind of where the expectation level was at with how this whole thing was going to be approached, especially after trading Teoscar Hernandez, who of course was a popular name and definitely a hard name to move on from just because of the impact he had. And of course to the fan base. So that's where I think a lot of, you know, or that's where the problems are coming from just because of the expectation that you traded Teoscar Hernandez Boom! You're expected to replace him right away, and um, the all, and then all of a sudden the trade looks better when you get Eric Swanson. So that's where we're at, and I do think that before the end of the year, making a move would probably be beneficial to them and to calm fans down a bit. And uh, I guess there's still time to turn on, you know, turn this off season around. So let's talk about some of these specific moves and how they affect the Blue Jays. Um, we've mentioned Brandon Nimmo, Brandon Nimmo a little bit, and we can start there, I guess. 
Um, he obviously signs a huge deal with the New York Mets. He's heading back to New York with them. And I'm curious what we make of the outstanding outfielder market for the Blue Jays. Like, I guess this is also part of a conversation with Brian Reynolds and the possibility of a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates and sending a catcher their way. And we know they have historically been been interested in Alejandro Kirk and they've been connected with the Blue Jays on him. So I'm curious what you guys make of the Blue Jays' odds or chances or outstanding picture um, that remains in the outfielder market now that Brendan Nimmo is gone. What do you make of the Brian Reynolds rumors? Do you think it's a good fit for the Blue Jays to send a catcher there in exchange for Reynolds? See, this is where it gets tough. Is like we're at that point where what's going to happen? Like I think realistically a catcher is going to be traded, whether it's this season or this offseason or sometime next season. I have a feeling... Uh, it's going to happen, and I think at this point, like, you trade Teoscar Hernandez, you get that bullpen help. Okay, good. Now you kind of, you need to fill that void in the outfield. I think you do have to go out and trade somebody for him, but, I mean, there are still, I guess, options. I mean, I don't think this is very likely, but I've heard, you know, just seen things float around with Andrew Benintendi. I kind of doubt it that he comes to the Blue Jays. Wouldn't be, I mean, is he the best option? No. Kind of similar, at least in my opinion, to the whole Cody Bellinger situation. Not entirely the same, but, you know, it's it's not the Brandon Nimmo type situation, but I th- I don't know. I, I, we're getting at that point now where it's, it's, I think it is a little bit quiet. It's, it's probably going to be a bit quiet, you know, for at least a couple weeks, maybe till the end of the year, just because of winter meetings being over. And then we'll probably see a f- few moves floating around. But I think if you're the Blue Jays, you, you desperately need to go into the end of this year and the start of next season I would say with an outfielder, with that third outfielder, or else you're kind of in that situation where you're scrambling once January hits and once, you know, January, February, pitchers and catchers report, spring training. I just want to see them do something. And I I think, you know, maybe just get one. Like, maybe it is Benintendi. Maybe you do go out and trade for Brian Reynolds. It's not the end of the world, I think. There are, I think, better options, but... I don't know, like the whole Nimmo situation, like I'll just go back to that. I I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of happy that he didn't sign with the Blue Jays because that's way too long of a contract in my opinion and way too much money. I think one of you said it, it's it's more than the Springer contract. And I'm not saying that the Springer contract's not been good, but like you're not going to go out and get another guy at that at that rate, really. And now you're you, you, you're not scrambling, but you probably do need to go out and say, okay, we're, we're not going to overpay or over over uh, over trade for a guy but whether it is Brian Reynolds Benintendi I mean I don't really know like the options are definitely a lot slimmer than they were a week ago or even two weeks ago with everybody signing but I would just go into this this or the last couple weeks of this month go into the end of the year with somebody and then we'll see where they go and then that's not even it like you need to get an outfielder I think and then you also need to go get a starter and then that's what I mean. You don't want to go into January and February where you're scrambling for two of your your desperate needs. You, you at least fill one of those before the end of the year, and then we'll have to see where things go. Yeah, I again, I think there's a lot, just a lot of the reason for the overreaction. Again, I understand that you come away with nothing, but you see a team like the Mets, I already spoke about that, in terms of they will throw money at anything, and they do not give a you-know-what about 
exceeding the Steve Cohen tax. I believe basically the numbers came out and they're spending almost 2% of his whole net worth. So that just shows you how much he really doesn't care and how powerful he really is. And then you have the whole winter meetings thing where we heard from Ross Atkins. We even heard from Mark Shapiro. And Mark Shapiro basically said, again, believe it or not, I don't know where you guys stand on this, but he basically reassured that there is no financial restraints with this team and how they are just as well positioned as anybody else uh, in Major League Baseball. They're just trying to find a proper area to spend it on. So whether you believe that or not, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't believe that, um, I, you know, it, it just gives me the sense once again, and it, in comparison to the Brandon Nimmo thing, yeah, I mean, maybe it wasn't about the money, uh, about maybe it was more, you know, the term, or maybe they just weren't as big of a, you know, I'm sure they really did like him in terms of the interest level that they showed in free agency. But yeah, it just got to a point where they were, I guess, willing to move on or maybe, again, just the Mets being the powerhouse they are in terms of spending, it couldn't have been matched. And we saw they've been made, they've made many moves. Of course, they signed, I think, David Robertson quietly, like right after that. So it was just one after another um, in terms of that. And then you look at what is left out there for the Blue Jays. And you mentioned the name of Andrew Benatendi, and you can kind of see now, after Brandon Nemo, with all due respect to these players, you can see the drop-off a bit. Not, you know, in terms of tier. Like, I'm not saying Andrew Benatendi's a scrub, but Brandon Nemo and Andrew Benatendi, you can see the difference there, again, with all due respect to a guy like Andrew Benatendi. You know, other guys that are out there in terms of Kevin Kiermeyer and, and Joey Gallo, Mark, you mentioned that to us a couple weeks ago, and I think Scott Boris even confirmed when he was doing his annual uh, media, when he talks to the media and kind of just says random stuff, but he basically confirmed uh, that the Jays are really, I guess, interested in left-handed at-bats, and he mentioned Joey Gallo, and then, of course, he did mention that they had a scheduled meeting uh, with Cody Bellinger, and I guess there was an offer from the Cubs that was too good to be true uh, for him to turn that down. So that's where things stand on that. And then the other thing I'll mention, too, is I think we also have learned a lesson throughout this process, especially that you know, just the whole Twitter thing in terms of who's reporting what to pump the brakes when we see stuff because there was lots of Cody Bellinger buzz and even Andrew Heaney buzz before the winter meeting started. And basically the indication that we were getting was it was only a matter of time. And then that doesn't happen. They go to a different team and it just makes you wonder, you know, how probably wasn't true to begin with, but it just reminds you to be careful what you see. I just think there's a whole lot of scenarios on social media that is definitely been the cause for this blowback from Blue Jays fans. And then I guess if you want to transition to starting pitchers, the other thing we have to realize too is that their front three in the starting rotation, they are locks. We we know that. We know that with Barrios, Gosman, and Manoa, you have a four or five spot to fill. Of course, I believe from what we heard last, the Jays are still hanging around in terms of Ross Stripling. I'm sure they are still interested in bringing him back. Perhaps maybe the window is a little bit more open than it was at the beginning of the offseason because we probably imagine at this point the Jays would have been a little bit more active and maybe they are really heavily pursuing bringing him back. Perhaps things have changed on that, but we know that they are in need of at least one starter because they are not willing to commit to Yusei Kikuchi as well right away, and why wouldn't they? So the names that are still out there, of course, um, in terms of starting pitchers that can benefit are you know names I see, Noah Syndergaard, Sean Manaya, Michael Waka. These are all names that, of course, Carlos Rodon's the big one that's out there but we've heard basically the deal he's seeking I don't know how likely it is or how heavy the Jays are interested in that perhaps they are just looking at lower tier starters to fill the back end of the rotation and if that's what they're looking for then that's what they're looking for they're not looking for another ace but 
of course, that does make your team better regardless. So that's where I guess you look at of what starting pitchers are left. And for me, going back to what you you asked, Mark, at the beginning, I do think the Blue Jays should definitely pursue a Brian Reynolds trade. I just think the fit's there. We know that. And, of course, the whole interest level in the past in terms of Blue Jays catchers, I think it's definitely a deal that could be made. So I think that's something to look onto. And he definitely checks the boxes of team control, who is under team control until 2026. So perhaps that's a move that can kind of, you know, make fans feel better. And it definitely puts you in a really good spot. I mean, Brian Reynolds is a really good player from what we know uh, throughout his first four years um, with the Pirates. He was an all-star in 2021, and he has really good numbers basically in every season besides 2020, put in a star beside that one. So he's well-established. He's really good defensively. He can hit. He is a lefty, or sorry, he's a switch hitter. And obviously all the boxes are checked with that in terms of a fit there. So I definitely think there's something to look on on that. And I know John Morosi is really pumping that as well in terms of the Jays are, you know, heavily interested in Brian Reynolds, who did request a trade from the Pirates. So we'll see what happens with that. But there are definitely some things the Jays can still do. But in terms of high tier options that remain on the market, besides a guy like Carlos Rodon, probably not a lot left. And Again, it just shows that the Jays perhaps had other things in mind this offseason. We may have a little bit overreacted in terms of expectations. Yeah. I mean, there are still doors open, but the quality of those players is worse than if they had gone out and acted a week ago. I think that's what we're coming to a decision on. But yeah, I think Brian Reynolds is a perfect fit. and I'd love to see the Blue Jays pull the trigger on that one. And like I said, there has been interest in rumors. I think going back to 2020 that the Pirates were interested in Alejandro Kirk and there was a potential deal there. So the fit's obviously there. They like some of the players that the Blue Jays have. The Blue Jays should be interested in Brian Reynolds because he does fit what the Blue Jays need. Switch hitter, cheap for right now under team control until 2026. He checks all the boxes that the Blue Jays need for an outfielder right now and I think he'd be a perfect guy for the Blue Jays to go out and get in the outfield and it certainly matches what they have to give in terms of catchers. And I don't know who else they're going to trade a catcher to because as we saw over the past week, the catcher market has whittled down a little bit. The St. Louis Cardinals are now out after signing Wilson Contreras. So that is no longer an option. That door is closed for the Blue Jays. And so I think the Pirates are one of the outstanding options. Uh, Bryson, you mentioned Carlos Rodon. And this is a name that a lot of Blue Jay fans are now hanging their hats on because... The way that things have gone, there's not a lot of free agent starters out there anymore with, you know, DeGrom being gone and, you know, some of these higher quality guys being gone. So Carlos Rodon, Blue Jays, they've been mentioned together previous years, mentioned together, together again this year. Do you think it's possible? What do you think the likelihood of this is happening is? And if it does happen, would you be happy? Well, for... I'd be happy, but I think the Blue Jays have a better chance of getting Stripling back than they do going for Carlos Rodon. Like, I'll just be real. Like, I know the since, what was it, 2019 maybe, the Shapiro and Atkins regime, they've made a lot of big moves, like the Ryu, Springer, Gosman. Like, they've done a lot, and they've had, like, at least one big move per offseason, but I don't really think it's that likely. And I'd love to eat my words. I'd love for him to be your fourth starter, and, you know, no disrespect to Kikuchi, but... I'd love for him to be your fourth starter and and maybe or even fifth if Stripling comes back too. But I do I do genuinely think that Stripling has a higher chance of coming back. And who knows? I mean, it's 
yeah, that, that's basically all I have to say about that. Like, I, I do, I, I would be happy with it, but I, I am very hesitant to believe that it would even actually happen. And I think that it, at this point, the Blue Jays would, I, I don't know. It would be, basically, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of tongue twisted here because I'd love for it to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. But at the same time, it could happen. I do think that there's a better chance of Stripling coming back than Rodon, though. Yeah, I I think that's fairly true. Um, I just, you know, comparing <laughs> obviously the two, like, you look at Carlos Rodon's season, of course, um, a guy who basically before uh, he was with the Giants last year, a guy that was basically up and down with injuries. Of course, he had a really good 2021 uh, with the White Sox, and that's kind of basically where he reemerged. I mean, I believe it was his first full season since 2018, and he, I believe he turned down a multi-year deal, or he took a one-year deal with the Giants to bet on himself to further, I guess, establish his market, and it worked out for him. So that's another thing uh, that's worked out for Carlos Rodon, and I think the latest we've heard on, I guess, what he wants, um, and it's from John Heyman again, an ars- the arson judge expert. But anyways, what he's, I guess, reported, and this could be the issue with some teams, is that he's seeking a seven-year deal. So that's a lot of term for, obviously, a 30-year-old now. Um, there's no question his talent's there. And I'll say this once again uh, from what I said, I guess, about, whatever, five minutes ago. If the money is there, that's not the issue. It's just the issue, I guess, of this team committing to a guy like Rodon. So if what Mark Shapiro said is true, if it's not about the money and if they have the money to spend and they're well positioned to do that, it's basically about now committing to a guy like Rodon in terms of, I guess, especially in this case, length, because that is a long time, obviously, um, for any starting pitcher like that, especially somebody who's 30 years old now. So you can't blame him, Rodon, for what he's seeking. I'm sure teams are willing to spend the money on him, perhaps maybe trying to limit the term that he's seeking. Maybe that's something that eventually comes down. But like in terms of buzz around the Jays, like I know there's been a little bit from what I've seen, but who knows what to believe anymore uh, on Twitter. But it seems like there is some interest there. I don't know how crazy, though, it really is. So that's where, you know, a case where if they do it, I wouldn't, be totally surprised but I think I'd be more surprised if he did come here compared to uh if he went somewhere else just because of what he's asking for in terms of the length I think the length is really the I guess the problems that teams are having now or I guess kind of the red flags that come up in terms of teams who are trying to pursue him right now and if you do that if you really think about it from the Blue Jays standpoint that's four starters now that are basically locked up long term so and of course eventually you're going to have to pay Alec Manoa at some point as well that's going to that I guess situation is going to be coming a little bit more clear in the next uh, next couple of years or that's going to be something that the Jays will eventually have to address along with Vladimir Guerrero and Bo Bichette so that's a lot a lot to commit to with starting pitchers as a whole. So that's why, it, for me, it doesn't seem as realistic. Um, even when the offseason started, it just didn't seem like it's something that the Jays would hopefully, or I guess, be heavily interested in. And of course, they're kicking tires at him. And I mean, never say never, but I just do, I do think that they are trying to bring back Ross Stripling. And I do think that there probably remains communication there. I believe another team that I saw that was in on Ross Stripling was uh, both both the New, the uh, New York teams is what I saw uh, the latest from on that. So it'll be interesting to see again with Ross Stripling. But with Rodon, we've seen a little bit. I just for me, it's not enough for me to kind of be completely optimistic that he, I guess there's a chance that he comes here. Yeah, I hadn't heard the seven-year figure. And that's outrageous for someone like Carlos <laughs> Rodon. Like it's literally, it's his 30th birthday today. So happy birthday to him, but he does not deserve a seven-year contract. He's not going to get a seven-year contract. 
And like, I, I think a very good comparison for the Blue Jays is Kevin Gosman, because last year he was 30 years old and the Blue Jays signed him to a five-year, $110 million deal. And Gosman is kind of the similar type who didn't really show his strength or his talents earlier in his career, then kind of had a breakout couple years with the Giants and then turned that into a big payday. Carlos Rodon is kind of the same thing. He was injury plagued before last season when he kind of emerged with the Chicago White Sox. He goes to the Giants. He has another phenomenal season. He puts up a great war, great ERA, great everything. And now he's trying to turn that into a contract, but he's 30 years old and he doesn't have a great track record. I think we're looking at a similar type deal to Kevin Gosman. If it does end up being around that number, great. I think the Blue Jays should at least pursue that, whether they make the jump or not. But given what the offseason has looked like so far and the amount of money that teams have been willing to spend, I don't think it's going to stay at the same point that Kevin Gosman was at last year. I think we've already seen a bit of inflation in the free agent starting pitcher market and it's going to cost more to get him and I don't know if that's a point that the Blue Jays are willing to get to but Ross Stripling remains a great option for the Blue Jays and with any of these guys I'm not hinging my hat on anything until it happens I mean I feel like the Blue Jays I I don't know if this is just Blue Jays bias but it seems like the Blue Jays media market or you know the rumors that we hear about the Blue Jays like the only, you're never going to hear about something until it happens, if that makes any sense. Like Kevin Gosman, we didn't, like we heard some rumblings, but then it happened. George Springer, we heard some rumblings, but nothing really firmly reported. And then it just happened. And Matt Chapman, we heard nothing about until it happened. I think with Yusei Kikuchi, we had heard very little before it happened as well. So it seems like one of those things where if it's going to happen, you'll hear about it. But until it does happen, you're not going to hear about it at all. And so I'm not hinging my hat on anything. But yes, Ross Stripling would be great. Carlos Rodon, if it comes at, I think, a five-year deal, I would take it. Anything more than five years for Carlos Rodon, I feel like it's pretty ridiculous. Well, even five, I feel like, is a little bit of a hefty contract. Like, like, I don't know. He's shown two years in a row that he can A, stay healthy, and B, put up phenomenal numbers. Which is no more than Kevin Gosman had done by the time the Blue Jays signed him to a five-year, one-ten deal. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'd go four to five, like five, maybe, but I think four would probably be more likely. I mean, I'm just thinking about Stripling too. While you were saying that, what type of contract could they give him? I mean, part of me thinks he won't take anything less than fifteen million. I could be wrong on that. I mean, fifteen. Sorry, what? Well, per season. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not not like fifteen over four years. No, not not at all. But I'm thinking like if they give him four years, fifteen mil, something like that, maybe or I think four that's years. way too little for Ross Stripling in this market. The way guys have been being paid, I think he's probably getting minimum eighty million in my mind. I started at the start of the off season. We were talking about predictions. I think I put it at sixty million for Stripling. I've, I think I've bumped it up to $80 million after what we've seen this market be. And like that's why with Carlos Rodon, I don't think the Blue Jays should give him more than five years, but I think he's probably going to get more than five years just because teams are spending that way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel like whatever you'd give Stripling, and, and this could be the wrong take, but I feel like whatever you'd give Stripling is reasonable to also give to Rodon or you know the other way around. So, yeah, it's fair. I mean... Well, 15 is the minimum I think maybe you're probably right maybe 20 million is more likely around that I mean a little bit more than the qualifying offer per season but it'll 
it'll be interesting. I feel like even just around baseball, like the not even just pitchers, but everybody for some reason is signing like decade long contracts with ridiculous amounts of of money being thrown around and it is interesting i mean you are probably going to be in that situation where you're you're not going to get somebody if you offer them three or four years uh, for a contract you're probably going to need to give a lot longer than that and have a lot more term to that deal and it could work out i mean like if if carlos rodon or whoever comes to the blue jays and is doing well for most of that contract perfect but i think also it's hard to I mean, Rodon's been good the last two seasons, but it is also hard to bet on somebody to be really good, at, you know, towards the latter end of their career. You know, it'll be tough. I mean, I would love to see him come here. The Blue Jays did, like, legitimately do need a third starter or a fourth starter, however you want to call it, but we'll see. Yeah, like, you, you look at the market that's happened this year, and I guess if you want to just look at some other pitchers who have signed, I mean, you look at Kyle Gibson, who uh, chose, actually, the other thing, and this kind of further supports your point, Mark, is we never heard anything about Kyle Gibson until afterward. Apparently, he chose the Blue Jays, or sorry, the Orioles over the Blue Jays, and I think the Blue Jays actually offered him more from what we heard, and he went basically to Baltimore for one year. He got $10 million. I mean, you look at Mike Clevenger signing. These are kind of guys who are, I guess, starting pitchers that have established the market. Tywan Walker got four years uh, with yeah, the Phillies, so that's another one, exactly. So th- these are all guys who, and a, a, another one actually is Jamison Tyone, um, from what I've been seeing as well. So a lot of these guys have been getting, um, starting pitchers, have been getting, you know, decent contracts. So Ross Stripling, I'm sure, isn't worried. And of course, the Justin Verlander thing's outrageous, but that's um, a completely different level. But I'm sure Ross Stripling, yeah, isn't, I guess, pressure to really take anything um as is now and pretty much be patient with the process so we will see what happens on that one and I would definitely and I think the one thing that we've all agreed on despite if we thought he would come back or not is that we definitely all would have welcomed back Ross Stripling uh with open arms so we'll see we'll see what happens with that they are still looking at him on that one and I will say this before I hand it over to you Mark I would rather be uh in this situation still than a Red Sox fan after what happened with them uh, a couple days ago. Basically, the signing they made from out of Japan, a lot of people questioning how much or why they gave him that much money. Of course, I don't exactly remember his name on the spot. And then, of course, losing Xander Bogarts uh, to the Padres, who are another team who have, you know, are ruthless in terms of handing out contracts to people. We heard that they were willing to go to around $400 million with Aaron Judge. They were kind of a... Uh, a team that showed up really late in the process and was potentially a threat. So they missed out on him. And of course they transition, they get Bogarts, another guy who's still out there, of course, although I don't think we really have heard anything with the Jays on this is a guy like Carlos Correa, who's going to get a lot of money too. So we'll see what happens with that. But I do think the Jays are still in somewhat a position where they can make this uh, a good off season. And hopefully they do that as well um, with the rest of the time that they have left. I take back what I said about Ross tripling $80 million. Because Tyvon Walker was four years, $72 million. And looking at their baseball reference pages, they are very similar with the exception of the fact that Ross Dribbling is three years older. So I maybe I stick by, I guess I'll go $65 million. I'll go four years, $65 million um, for Ross Dribbling, which I, I think is a mark that the Blue Jays could reach and could give him. I feel like that's pretty reasonable for someone like Stripling. I just don't know if they're in the market for a top, top guy right now like Carlos Rodon. It doesn't seem like they're in a position to be spending five-plus years probably in the market of, what, $120, $130, $140 million 
on someone like Carlos Rodon. I don't know if they're in that position right now. So I think Ross Stripling probably makes a lot more sense from that perspective. Um, but yeah, a lot of questions, a lot of question marks still around the Blue Jays and none of them have been answered. And, you know, we're going on what a month and a week so far into the off season. And we've got two months left before pitchers and catchers report, I guess. So we're about one third of the way through. We will wait and see what happens over the next couple months. Bryson, J- Jacob, anything else from you before we wrap it up? I think, I don't know. I, I feel like this is something that I need to hear, but to anybody that's panicking, kind of like I was at the beginning of the episode accidentally, <laughs> just just giving like a ridiculous <laughs> panic button, but it's okay. Relax. The off season is not over. Winter meetings might have been very disappointing. Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, they know what they're doing. Let's put our trust in them. That's all I can say. Like the off season's not over. Let's just not panic yet. What a what a relationship that Blue Jays fans have with Atkins and Shapiro. They are willing to, of course, hate on them, love them, and right right as they lose out on people, immediately go back to hating them. But I will ask you guys this. Um, out of all the transactions we've spoken about, or I guess the potentials that still remain, I'll ask both of you, what is, out, out of all of them, what is the one that you'd like to, or what is the one transaction you'd like for them to make first? And that goes, again, trading a catcher, Brian Reynolds, Carlos Rodon, Ross Stripling. What is the one transaction that you are hoping that happens first here with this team? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, they have, they have to, they have to do multiple things. It's not like if you get yes, a starter. Yes, I mean like first though. Then... Like, yeah. I think teams have been very aggressive on the free agent market and not in the trade market. So I think the Blue Jays should make a move in the free agent market before they miss out. So given what we've just discussed today, I'll say signing Ross Stripling is the first move they should make. Yeah, I'll second that, honestly. They need a starter. They need something. And I feel like, I feel like if you go into the season – with a weaker outfield and a stronger rotation like say they don't really make much progress in the outfield but they do make progress in the rotation I'd be more happy with that like I'd consider that to be more successful than if you unfortunately have Mitch White and you say Kikuchi at the back end of your rotation but you have a good outfield yeah I guess to I guess change it from you guys I'll I'll, I'll say uh, a Brian Reynolds trade I think that would definitely be something that would alert Blue Jays fans and satisfy them. And of course, before I hand it over to you, Mark, I'd like to give one more congrats to Arson Judge on his new deal with the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> that is a bad contract. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh boy. <laughs> give it, give it like two, three years, and that'll be looking like a gross overpay. I mean, it, it was bound to happen. You're not going to give him less than what he got, but that's what you can be disappointed that judge didn't take the extra year and extra 40 million dollars to sign with the san diego padres but you can also be happy that judge is probably going to become an albatross for the new york yankees at nine years 360 million dollars hopefully hopefully we can cross our fingers about that um okay we will wait and see as with every single episode to see what the blue jays do as always you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod You can check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing here. Then, as always, we are also on social media. That's at Section138Pod. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Go check us out there to make sure you never miss an episode. All right. We'll catch you maybe next week. Maybe not. Maybe we'll wait until after the holidays. Who knows? Either way, enjoy the next few weeks. We'll catch you next week.